Man, I was about to log in, and there was 78 notifications on Facebook. I'm like, who is trying to get a hold of me? Oh, my gosh. And I'm fiending a little bit, and I haven't had breakfast in three weeks, and I lost six pounds. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. And uh, But really, in all seriousness and honesty, yesterday, uh, I was just looking through the prayer requests that we had for 2018 when we first started our 21 day of prayer and fasting. So the last two years, my family and I, we do a year in review. Uh, 2018, we went to Taco Bell <laughs> in Hawaii Kai. This year we went to Starbucks and we just we reviewed, hey, what are some high points? What are some low points? What are some challenges? And it was like a deep moment, like uh, you know, one of my uh, child, one of my children was crying and just like, I really had a tough time with this and we we're able to speak life into each other, encourage one another. And then we had six, I put down six prayer requests. Four of them were regarding personal and family matters and the Lord delivered, the Lord showed up. And um, two of them, there's even a timestamp, January 3rd. And it says, pray that God would give us a youth pastor. I'm praying and believing that God would give us a ministry center so I don't have to spend $5 every day <laughs> at Starbucks so we could have a ministry center, and the Lord did both. Isn't that amazing? And, but, you know, just like what the song says, maybe we might not just see it yet. Some of us are praying for breakthrough. Yesterday, I, I got a, I was notified uh, some phone calls that, uh, you know, of, intense family problems where the, the police had to be involved and it was just, whoa, there goes our okay. <laughs> Get him, Keaton. Get him. All right. <laughs> and I was informed of, you know, just some tragedy and, and I was like, Lord, come on. This is 21 days. Tomorrow's our anniversary and we thought you would heal this person by now. We thought you'd break through, but oftentimes, as I said last week, Unanswered prayers, an invitation to draw closer to God. Amen. And um, we're going to go through and uh, go through Matthew chapter 16. If we could all stand together, we'll just read God's word. Matthew chapter 16. And this is the infamous passage where um, Jesus declares his lordship or the foundation of the church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, hey, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or you're just one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? doesn't matter what they say. Who, do, who am I to you personally? Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ. You are the Christos, meaning you are the Messiah. You are God himself. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but is my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We thank you, Lord God, for your word this morning. I pray that it would encourage us, solidify our resolve, Lord, to love you and to obey you. I pray, Father, that you would lead us right where we're at. 
that some of us, Lord, we're at the cusp. We're right at the cusp, Lord God, of, of victory. We're at the cusp, Lord, of deliverance. And Lord, I pray that we would always pray and not lose hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Now, so this morning I want to present two things to you to see where our church is at. Number one is we just came from 21 days of prayer, but it's also is our church anniversary. Now, in this age of consumerism and mega churches, mega malls, uh, supersize, you know, how come we should, how come we need to continue to build or plant churches? Why can't we just go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, but get big mega churches and get big mega buildings and run it like a business or a, co a corporation? How come we need to keep planting and make disciples? I'll tell you why. Because in the United States, there are about 200 million non-churched people in America, making America one of the four largest unchurched countries in the world. 200 million people in America do not go to church. Uh, the Barna Group says that the average Christian attends church 1.8 times a month. Meaning, you guys, if you guys just showed up every week, man, we'd have 200 people, not 142. But as it stands, the average Christian American goes to church about every other week or twice a month instead of four times a week. And with that, each year, 2019 just closed, 3,500 churches closed doors and shuts down permanently 3500 churches close down every year and today 350,000 churches in America about four out of every five church are either declining or they just kind of plateaued 35 shut down every year and three out of every four 75% of the churches here are decline, are about to close, or they're just kind of plateauing and just kind of surviving and being lukewarm. This is why we need to plant churches. This is why we need to make disciples. This is why we invest. We're here at the school. We're, in, we're investing not in buildings. We're investing in people. For our small little church, we have about five people on staff. Why? Because we want to shepherd people. We want people to build and invest in people and not build big buildings. Can I get an amen? And this is what the church is. And one other stat is that one, one denomination recently found that 80% of its converts came to Christ in churches less than two years old. Can you imagine that one denomination, 80% of those who said yes to the Lord came from two churches that are two years old or younger. We had 47 last year, 47, 54, one of those numbers, and there goes the kids again, all right? Now, I want to give you guys two, two main points regarding prayer and the church, and this is upon Jesus' confession. Number one, would you write this down? Jesus will build his church on the foundation of his lordship. Jesus will build his church on the foundation of what? His lordship. We read this earlier, verse 16, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, or Petra, Greek, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So upon the confession of the rock, upon this confession that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, that he himself is the living God. Now you notice nowhere does it mention about posterity, that from the line of Peter's successors or his posterity, there the church will build. He goes, no, upon the rock that you, Peter, whom God has delivered and inspired you and revealed to you, when you said that, G, that I am the Christ, upon this foundation, I will build the church. Now, I read a book a couple of years ago. It's by Dallas Willard, and he said there's over 33,000 denominations in the world. 33,000 different churches, not churches, but denominations that they have a common interest or a common belief or a common shared interest in something. Now, other people would look at that like, wow, 33,000, can't you guys agree in anything? Why can't you just uh, be the church and be one church? And they look at it as a sign of weakness, but I see it as a sign of strength because as long as Jesus is the Lord or he is the Christ and that is the foundation of the church and we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, then Jesus is going to build that church. It was St. Augustine who says, in essentials, in the must-haves, unity. We must be unified in the essentials. In non-essentials, um, give people just the choice. Give people the liberty to choose what they want to do, non-essentials. But in all things, charity. Let me unpack that for you real quick. So in the essentials that Jesus is Lord, that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God, virgin birth, right? The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In essentials, we are to be unified, that we are to not surrender, not um, compromise, that we have to be unified in the essentials. In the non-essentials, liberty. Hey, do your thing. There's some churches, all they preach from is the KJV, so when they read the Bible, thou dost saith the Lord with thine heart. Is, that's, how, is, that's how they would like to roll? Then do your thing. Non-essential. Some churches, all the, they don't have drums. They think drums are from the devil with rock music. I'm like, so they don't have drums. All they do is sing, hey, do your thing. Whatever floats your boat. Non-essentials to me, some churches don't allow women pastors or women preachers. Other churches, all they have are women preachers. And there's all these different denominations. Some, um, some churches are denominations, they like to handle snakes. I'm like, okay, that's your thing. <laughs> you can never plant a church here in Hawaii because we ain't got none, right? <laughs> Other people, they, just, they, they don't lift their hands in worship. Other churches, they don't, um, you know, there's just different flavors. So in non-essentials, liberty, do, do have your freedom. But in all things, there should be charity, meaning in all things, there is love. So just as long as there's a church that preaches the gospel, that preaches Christ and him crucified, that we come to the Lord 
lordship or submit to the lordship of who Jesus is, meaning that we find our identity, that we find our worth, that we find that our our ambition, our priorities, our sexuality, our finances submits to the lordship of Jesus, not culture, not what's popular out there, but to the lordship of Jesus. Then Jesus says, I will build that church. And over 2,000 years, Jesus has built his church when he is Lord. Now, a couple years, a couple months ago, um, kind of made big news in the popular culture, Kanye West, Yeezy, became a born-again Christian, and he became like hardcore, born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And he came out with an album called Jesus is King. I'm going to rap for you guys a little bit. Right, here it is. <laughs> All right, God is king, we the soldiers, not ultra B, not the solar. When I get to heaven's gate, I ain't got to peek over. When I scream at the chauffeur, all right, ain't nothing up, all right. Stop, stop it. Stop. Now, I'm not mean, I'm just focused. Now, I'm just kidding, all right. Now, he made a big people, one of the, his message was this. Man, we don't live for the culture that we don't let culture dictate and decide. He had a song called Close on Sunday, You're My Chick-fil-A. Like, yeah, put the gram away, put the selfie away. It's time to be with Jesus because Jesus is king and we submit ourselves to him. When we confess that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is going to build that church. Once we go outside, once we stray away from the lordship of Jesus, then that foundation, when that foundation is taken away, when culture comes and hard times comes and adversity comes, then the foundation or the house will fall down. In fact, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Meaning that Paul preached the gospel but Apollos was the one to shepherd and teach and to preach to them. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, and that is, or which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to build his church. You know, I was thinking about our church, and when he first started, we were just gone through, you know, Okay, I think Aina Haina. We looked at a place in Kaimuki. We looked at Voyager School uh, right across Diamond Head. I was like, I think Aina Haina is the place. And it bore witness to our spirit. And uh, one of our guys who lives up, who's a surf instructor, Joey, was one of the first ones to say, hey, John, I'm in. Like, okay. And um, we're going to be in Aina Haina Elementary. We need to reach the kids. We got to... Our church needs to reflect the people in the community. We got to reach Aina High Elementary. How are we going to do that? Like, I can't stand kids. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm good. I was like, I'm not built to have kids. Like, my grace would run out super quick, right? I was like, over oh, there with worship, I'm more. So, so what are we going to do? I was like, and Pastor Wayne always said, when you build a team, build a dream team. Like, build the very best. Like, who would be your top? I'm like, <gasps> like, babe, your mom. Annie Torones, she would be amazing at Children's Ark. I'm like, yeah, but they're out in Santa Clarita. 
you know, and, and, and um, your, my father-in-law, Joe's retire. He's going to retire, and he loves his job. They live out in the country with horses and goats, and I don't think they, they're going to come. And our sales pitch, well, our sales pitch was, hey, God has called us. We can't pay you anything. <laughs> we can't move you. We can't do anything except for the calling of God. Um, you have next week to let us know or we'll choose somebody else, right? And so, <laughs> and, and by the way, you get, uh, uh, you get to see your grandkids. And so Annie's thing was, the Lord's like, man, the Lord would have to move mountains for this to happen. For us to transplant our family and to move to Hawaii, we're, we're comfortable, we're, God would have to move the mountains. And sure enough, uh, God moved the mountain. I think we have a picture of it. Uh, is it up there, Naholo? Is it the second slide? So this was November 20th, two months before Annie, our children's art director, moved. I screenshotted it. This isn't just the road. It's the mountain itself that is moving. A couple miles down is their house with their horses and their goats and their ranch, and they're perfectly comfortable it's the mountain itself that it's moving and it's pushing the road up. Does God minister to us in ways that we understand or what? And it's like, okay, we're moving. And they've been here and they've been an integral part of Jesus building his church because he is Lord. And so let's go to number two. Not only will Jesus build his, him, his church on the foundation of his lordship, but he will build his church on the foundation of prayer. And for that, we'll look to one of the most um, fruitful churches that happened in the first century, and that it was a church in Philippi. Let's look through the origins or the genesis of how the Philippian church came along. Because if you look through all of Paul's epistles, uh, there's this thing called epistolary structure where Paul would always thank. He would greet people, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Father, grace and peace to you. I thank God for your faith, faith in the Lord, your hope in, in Christ, and your love for one another. The first Thessalonians, second Thessalonians, first Corinthians, second Corinthians, Colossians, uh, Ephesians, it all. There he would greet them and thank them. Even Galatians, he would do that stop devouring each other stop talking stink stop suing each other stop sleeping around they always had like some sort of problem with maturity but philippians is the it's a church that was near and dear to paul's heart because on a second missionary journey he goes he gets a vision from a man that says hey you must go to macedonia so he goes to macedonia and he passes through philippi and this is what happens let's go to uh, slide nine please and on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to the riverside where we supposed that there was a place of what? Prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. 
all. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed amongst us. So the first convert to the Philippian church, according to the gospel narrative of Acts, is who? Lydia. Lydia was an entrepreneur. She was a fashionista. She was from Thyatira, which is in Asia Minor. And she sold not just goods, but purple goods. Now, if you know anything about ancient Near East culture, like color, purple is royalty. Why were uh, Joseph's brothers envious of him? Because he had a coat that his dad favorably gave him that had many colors, one included purple. So Lydia... She was an entrepreneur, she was sharp, she was intellectual, she was a worshiper of God, worshiper of God, and she's from Thyatira, she was Asian, she was rich, and she was crazy, crazy rich Asian, all right? And so, (laughs) here comes Lydia, like, has her life together, in control, sell her purple goods, had a house probably in Philippi, had many homes. And she hears the gospel. She has an understanding, the foundation, because she worshiped God. She understood the Old Testament sacrifice. She understood without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. She understood that it's through the provision of God, the Passover lamb, that the angel of death would pass over. And Jesus, uh, Paul tells him, hey, it's Jesus Christ. He's the Passover lamb. So she gets saved. She believes in Jesus. She gets baptized. Her whole household gets saved, and she becomes the first convert. Note that. A woman. Okay? Let's go to the next verse. Let's go to 16. As we were going to the place of what? Prayer. Can I just ask, say this too, that in Acts chapter 1, the church was birthed from a place of prayer. That for over 40 days, they went to the upper room and they prayed till the Holy Spirit would come. Now, here we are in Acts 16, verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain, made her a lot of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept going for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, (laughs) not because he was compassionate or merciful or full of the spirit, but he became greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit of the slave girl, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So we have something of a complete antithesis here, complete opposite. You have this woman, rich, intellectual, high up on the social economic level and has herself in control. Everything is, you know, type A, she's driven. And then you have this slave girl who has no self-control. She's controlled by her owners or her masters. She's controlled by this demonic spirit. And so Jesus, he, can, he saves the intellectual girl through the scriptures but he saves this slave girl at the bottom of the barrel in the social economical stratus through power it's like in the name of jesus be gone and she gets saved a slave girl now we're going to go through the third convert of the philippian 
New Hope Community Church. In verse 27, when the jailer, this talked about, uh, so because the girl was delivered, the owners were mad because how are we going to make money? So they put Paul, Silas, and Luke, and they put him in front of the, the court, and they had him beat. They had him thrown in jail. And the instruction was this to the jailer. Hey, jailer, they already got scourged. They already got punished. Just keep them there and make sure that they're safe. You know what the jailer does? He puts them in stocks. Now, I don't know if you're in junior high or elementary, even high school, where you read uh, the Scarlet Letter where they would have stocks, A, you know, shame, and they would just hang there, and then for the public to say, oh, there's a shame, and they would put on stock. Now, ancient Near East, that's not what a stock was. A stock was something that would contort your body so that you'd have muscle spasms, and they, you'd dehydrate, and they just leave you there. So instead of watching Paul Silas, this jailer tortures them. And Paul and Silas are worshiping God. Thank you that we're worthy to suffer in the name of Jesus. And here we go. We'll jump down to verse 27. So as they were worshiping, then God uh, sends an earthquake. It releases, opens the door of the prison. And so when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that prisoners had escaped. Now, Roman law for a soldier, if you let your prisoner escape, you die by death penalty. But in the Bible, when soldiers would let prisoners out, nobody ever tried to kill themselves. And here comes this kind of blue-collar, G.I. Joe, like grizzly, uh, just rough dude who's driven by duty who takes it to the next level. He was just supposed to watch Paul and them, but he's like, no, nah, I'm going to make them suffer. And he causes them suffering. And when they were let out, he was about to kill himself. And look at verse 28. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, knowing that if they leave, he was going to die. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. To the CEO, woman, Lydia, intellect. From the girl, to the, from the streets, it was through power. And this tough, hardened GI prisoner, blue collar, it was the kindness, undeserved grace that this guy converts and gives his life to Christ. Now, why am I highlighting this? I'm highlighting, highlighting this for the, simply this reason. And we'll close with this. In Orthodox Judaism, over 2,000 years, Orthodox Jews, if you've been to Jerusalem or if you've been to Beverly Hills, right, you see the Orthodox Jews and then they have that curled um, kind of um, beard with a yarmulke. Orthodox Jews, men, have prayed for over 2,000 years and they can't repeal it because it's in the Sanhedrin and they need to form it again to repeal it. But this is the prayer. Blessed be Hashem. Hashem. It's just the Hebrew name for the name. Ha meaning the, 
Shem meaning name. Because Hebrews thought, you don't say the name of God. You don't say Yahweh. You don't say Adonai. You just say Hashem, the name of Jesus. So here's a prayer. For over 2,000 years, Jewish men have prayed. Blessed be Hashem. Blessed be God. Because, and I thank you for not making me into a woman or a slave or a Gentile. It's still being practiced today. It's still being prayed. That from rungs or from the bottom of what we perceive to be the lowest of the low, a woman, a slave, and a Gentile, meaning a non-Jewish person, that is the birth of the Philippian church. And I can't help but think of our church. Bunch of misfits, motley crew, no place to belong. I know I love the fact that, you know, I connected with most of you. I know some of you grew up in the mainland, others of you born and raised in Waianae, like, you know, some of you were raised in, uh, here on the east side, others of you were like from K to high school, you went to private school with a Punahou or Iolani and you went to college, and, but some of us different backgrounds, I know some here have served time, majority of their life has served, has been in prison, but you see this different stratosphere of how the gospel reaches us, how God, Jesus, when we say that he is Lord, Jesus, he builds his church. First Corinthians says this, consider your calling. Consider, the, consider when you got saved, Paul says, not many of you had normal birth. Not many of you were powerful, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Why does God pick the bottom of the barrel people like you and me? So when people look at us, they won't say, oh man, they really have it well put together. But people look at us like, man, I remember her. I remember him. He was such a Jerk, but look at him, like his face changed. I can't believe he, he snagged someone to marry him, right? And then some of us, we've spent time away from the Lord. I was like, oh, she used to be so depressed, but there's something different about her. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ building his church that it would continue to extend to this community. This is the economy of God. This is how God works. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, oh God. And we worship you uh, this anniversary Sunday. We ask, oh God, for more of you, more of your presence. And um, Lord, we're, we're thankful that your word says that we did not choose you but you chose us that we go and bear fruit. So Father, I pray that you would open the floodgates of heaven and that you would bring forth fruitfulness in your people's lives as we're coming off prayer, as we're coming off uh, just fasting this time of dedicated time, Lord. We pray 
for your countenance, Lord, to be upon your people. We pray, Lord God, for the abundant life. Lord, just as the enemy has come to steal, kill, and to destroy, you have come that we may have life and life to the full. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to build your church. Lord, that we would submit ourselves, Lord, to your lordship. That if you're not Lord of all, you're not Lord at all. And now you say, Jesus, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do what I say? So, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We ask for grace. We ask for mercy. We humble ourselves, O Lord God, so that you, you can pour out unto us more of who you are. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.